You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the Wednesday edition. We got plenty to cover. Uh, Talking about your Kansas City Chiefs in the throes of the preseason. It's an exciting time. And here to help me talk about our football team, our favorite football team, our my dear pals. First, a man with no limits and a man with no sleeves in his wardrobe. Our resident meathead, our dear pal, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's up, my friend? Mr. Unlimited. That is what uh that is what can't now has to call me after that kind of intro. No. We were really just sitting around for like an hour, pretty much just talking about the new Space Jam uniforms and letting Kent fire off hot takes about the uh, actors that may have decided to partake in the Space Jam remake. So we're doing pretty good this evening. Look, I I don't think Don Cheadle made a great choice. Like, the guy who played Newman on Seinfeld, what does he have going for him except for playing the bad guy in Jurassic Park and playing on Seinfeld? I Don Cheadle is an accomplished actor, and apparently he's in the new Space Jam. I'm sorry. That's all I got to say about that. Okay, Craig, how uh, how are you doing this evening? I... I was doing significantly better before this all started, honestly. <laughs> I, I'm i not sure where the night has taken us. These two have been going on. I have been watching Adrian Colbert for you guys, you Chiefs fans, because we're about to break him down right now. Colbert or Colbert? I, I'm not sure which it is, so I'm going to pronounce it just kind of in the middle and just kind of see where that gets me. I, You know what, Craig? I kind of could tell that's what you were doing. <laughs> You didn't completely commit. Like, I thought there was like a hint of a T at the end there. Uh, we'll get to Adrian Colbert. Actually, you know what? Let's just jump ahead to Adrian Colbert now. We'll talk about something else in a second. But we were going to lead with Mike Pinnell. But now, because of this brilliant transition from a Craig Stout, we're just going to go ahead and jump straight to that. Some might call him the Don Cheadle of this podcast. Accomplished, but making poor choices? <laughs> poor career choices? I mean, he is spending his evening watching film. Oh, you know what? Never mind. We should continue with the podcast. Uh, the Chiefs signed Adrian Colbert, uh, a safety who was previously with the Miami Dolphins before being released recently. The GOAT and friend of the show, Therese Paler, had that news. I think we got to start with this. Should the Chiefs be worried about Juan? Or should we be worried about Juan Thornhill? Like, what's going on here? I don't think Adrian Colbert has anything to do with Juan Thornhill. I think this is very similar to the Tedrick Thompson move. And I know Tedrick Thompson was a bigger name for a lot of Chiefs fans, especially those that kind of followed college football because he played somewhat nearby at Colorado. He was a fun player there. So people knew who Tedrick Thompson was. Not as many people know who Colbert is. But these are guys that are depth safeties. These guys are coming in to compete with your Armani Watts, your Rodney Clemens for these depth safety roles. I don't think that Colbert or Thompson has 
any indication on what's going on with Juan Thornhill. Your replacement for Juan Thornhill is going to be Dan Sorensen for the time being. If they were worried about Thornhill, I think they would have been trying to go out and make a little bit bigger of a move, a guy that has a lot more experience playing at a high level because it is such an important position for the defense. I think if Chiefs fans were worried about Juan Thornhill, that this signing should actually kind of dissuade some of those worries a little bit. This is clearly a kind of bottom of the rotation move here to compete with Tedrick Thompson. Adrian Colbert played in Miami last year. He was on the practice squad to begin the year, played like the last six games. He actually started about uh, 12 games. I think he started 12 games for San Francisco his first two years in the league. More of a deep safety kind of guy, but not a big athlete. A guy that you're probably relying on to play special teams, which he's good at, and make open field tackles as a backup guy. And he's good at that as well. But he's a limited athlete. I don't think that you're bringing in a guy like this with the hopes that he would start next to Tyron Matthew. This is kind of a Armani Watts, Tedrick Thompson competition, like Maddie said. So no, I don't think this is any indication about Juan Thornhill right now. Outside of your top three safeties in Kansas City, um, Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, and Dan Sorensen, it's the worst like roster depth on this entire football team. There's no fourth safety that gets me excited. And the Chiefs might carry five. They might have to carry two of these guys. That's a problem. And that's why I think you're seeing Adrian Colbert. I'm going to go Bert, and you can go Bear, Craig. You can go Colbert. We'll just do that. Um, I think that's why you're seeing him. I think that's why you're seeing Tedrick Thompson in the mix. Um, Tedrick Thompson, I, I think initially I thought it might be a response to Juan Thornhill, and that still could be the case because they need depth. They need guys that are going to play. They need reps at the safety position because they didn't roster a lot in the first place. Um, but I just think it speaks more to how bad whoever the fourth safety is on this football team. Really, if the Chiefs lose one of their three safeties, there's some pro- there's some problems for this football team. Uh, there's some decisions that have to be made about how they're going to adjust schematically or personnel-wise uh, if one of these three goes down. Uh, I do wonder, Craig, do you think Tedrick Thompson, is this a sign Tedrick Thompson maybe not panning out that they're adding more competition into the mix here? I don't think it's a great sign for Tedrick Thompson. I don't think it's a situation where he should feel comfortable at all. I know that the Kansas City Chiefs media has asked a lot of questions of Tedrick Thompson, of you know Sam Madison, Steve Spagnolo, A lot of these guys that are in the room, they've asked about him. And basically everybody has said, listen, It takes a long time to pick up the playbook. You haven't heard, you know, well, he's coming right in. He's executing at a high level. And even he said that there was a lot of adjustments that needed to be made on his end. That being said, you bring in another guy that does a lot of the exact same things that you do, only he makes more special teams plays. And you're going to be like a bottom of the roster safety. That should have you worried if you're Tedrick Thompson, in my opinion. Tedrick Thompson has to be like on a little worried about this point in time because from what we've gathered so far, we don't get a lot of camp access, but it sounds like Tedrick Thompson's still in the process of trying to pick up the playbook. He's still learning a new system for a team that he just joined, but it's not like it was going smoothly with him and his last game of the Seattle Seahawks. It went quite poorly actually down the stretch. He got, ended up getting cut. He was injured, but he got cut. They didn't feel like it was worth it to bring him back. He's stepping onto a new team. I think... 
we kind of all treated him as like a shoe-in to be on the roster, but you kind of go dive into his tape, and there's some major flags out there. If he's not picking up the system really well, he absolutely may not be a guy that's on the roster bubble at this point in time. The issue is I think the Chiefs are still chasing somebody to fill the Kendall Fuller shoes. I don't mean as like the cornerback safety hybrid. I just mean as a guy that can play competent at safety if Juan Thornhill isn't ready to go 100% of the snaps right now. They don't really have that guy on the roster. So when you get to those three safety looks, I think they're just trying to rotate through a bunch of guys that could possibly fill in for Thornhill if he's not able to play, see if someone sticks. And I think at this point in time, you'd have to say Tedrick Thompson's not looking as sharp as maybe we would have hoped at first, or this move probably wouldn't be made. Yeah, I'm not scared of Juan Thornhill not being available yet, but also if he's not, look at it. It's not like Dan Sorensen is a fine safety, I guess. But it's not like he's a dominant football player. He's an average football player. And that's great. And a good special teamer. That's great. Uh, The Chiefs are very close to having bad safeties playing on the field. And only only Tyron Matthew to show for it. I think it's worth noting uh, because anybody who's just listening to the podcast, maybe not following some of our articles and things like that, may notice the last time we talked about Tedrick Thompson, we were excited. Because we, too, remembered collegiate Tedrick Thompson a little bit better than we remembered professional Tedrick Thompson. Maddie and I both got very excited about him joining this roster. Maddie and I then promptly got off the podcast, turned on the tape, and became less excited about Tedrick Thompson. It's rough. Things changed guys. quick on the... It didn't, even, it didn't even take the end of the Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. I wrote the film review for Tedrick Thompson, and I tried. You know, I mean, like like always, you're looking for good and potential negatives for a player when you're doing a film review, and you don't spend as much time talking about the negatives because you're to- trusting a coaching staff to get to the positives. You're trusting Steve Spagnuolo and Sam Madison, these guys, to get the best out of him. But when I'm watching Tedrick Thompson, guys... I could not stop getting bad plays and sending it to Craig and Kent and our DMs because there were so many. This is a guy who was wildly inconsistent. He made absolute point-costing plays routinely for the Seahawks. He had some nice plays in there. Not a lot, but some. But he had so many plays that were actively allowing the opposition to put points on the board. That And for me, as a safety, that's the one thing you can't do. You can be a bland safety that just stops team from getting big plays. You can never make a play. You can just stop teams from scoring, be in the right position, prevent throws from even being attempted, and you're fine. You're just a fine player. Tedrick Thompson could not do that for the Seahawks. There's some stuff to like. There's potential there, but like you're expecting a coaching staff to do a lot of work with him. And just with this move, I just wonder if that work is just being a little bit harder than they anticipated bringing him in because some of his film was not great. Okay, so I, we, I think you have to look at all these moves and you look at the Chiefs adding two safeties recently. I think you got to ask yourself the question, who's on notice in that safety room? I think it's Armani Watts. They're actively trying to find someone that can play on the defensive side of the football right now. Armani Watts, if they had more confidence in him, are we sure that they're they're adding two additional safeties into the backfield? Now, granted, Armani Watts, oh, I don't he's not a deep safety, but also like I don't know if he's a, a box safety either. Like he's just kind of there. The only redeeming thing he has going for him is Dave Tobe right now. 
Uh, but even then, the fact that they're so like they're so active trying to identify safeties that could potentially help this football team, I don't feel like that bodes well for an Armani Watts. So Armani Watts, absolutely. We talked about Tedrick Thompson here a little bit. I think him and Armani Watts are kind of similar in how they play. I don't know exactly where they'll play in this defense. They have some of the same issues in terms of tackling, getting lost with their eyes, giving up big plays, things like that. The big difference is Armani Watts is a solid special teams player. It just seems like the Chiefs are turning over that position, trying to find somebody that can not only be a solid special teams player, but provide a little bit something to the defense just in case they need it. I'm hoping that that guy's Rodney Clemens, the undrafted free agent coming from SMU. I really like just the way he plays the position. He's not the best athlete, but I like it. So if he shows he can play special teams, good for him. But it's kind of like all these guys, Watts, Thompson, Clemens, whoever can play special teams the best probably has a leg up and just whoever can pick up the playbook the fastest at this point in time. I'm going to go a little bit off the wall because yeah, we've covered all the guys at the bottom of the safety group here, but Dorian O'Daniel. Dorian O'Daniel's major contribution to this team is special teams. And honestly, Adrian Colbert, Colbert is a good special teamers. Uh, he's excellent on kick coverage. He's a good gunner. And he's a great open field tackler. I cannot overstate how good of an open field tackler he is. I watched him bring down Joe Mixon at the four-yard line in open field by himself to save a touchdown. That's that's hard to do for a safety, especially a 200-pound safety. I think that if the Chiefs wanted to make sure that they had enough safety depth, enough coverage for those guys that Steve Spagnuolo is now falling in love with more because his cornerback position doesn't have a ton of guys, then maybe they keep an extra safety and they move on from a linebacker just from a special team standpoint. I just think it's crazy that Craig Stout already has takes on Adrian Colbert, the special teamer. Listen, like, that's Im- that's impressive. Special team analyst, Craig Stout. <laughs> you are that's who really you're talking to. In, you're really leaning into this, Craig. Listen, this is the one bit that I'm willing to lean into. We're doing it. The most mundane aspect of the game of football. Yep, you know me. I think there's a big need for this, so I'm glad the big RM has stepped up. He's taking the lead. He has taken the reins on this project. I mean, this is something that the NFL analyst world has not covered very well up until this point. So, like, when we start getting contextualized punting and vice grades <laughs> and all these things out there to the world, like, we're going to expand from the Chiefs to other teams, maybe even get into college and high school football, help out those, you know, recruits that are just really good on special teams. I, I think the big RM... Hollywood hop he he's a he's a true leader among men right now the funny thing is he's really got to refine his punter takes because apparently his guy from uh-huh. this year's class uh Joseph Charlton RIP has just has been terrible and it's you know it's 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 just, you know you just got to go back to to, to tweak and, and evaluate your own evaluation it's just Craig. a ploy I mean, it's a the, game the last specialist that the panthers didn't like and ended up cutting i think ended up with the chiefs and worked out pretty well so i think it's just a long game just saying Drew. just watch, saying watch uh watch him come to kansas city all right we're gonna take a break and we will be back to discuss the mike pinnell suspension and something maddie wants to do right after this Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. 
That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, well, we uh, we had some sort of news break. I don't think it's official news. Uh, it's kind of been out there for a while, but I think Steve Spagnuolo basically confirmed it. Uh, Mike Pinnell appears to be facing some kind of suspension uh, per Steve Spagnuolo slipping in his press conference. They're going to be without him for the beginning of the year. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty big loss. We saw what happened the last time Mike Pinnell wasn't active against the Tennessee Titans. Craig. <laughs> yeah, we uh, did. How big, of a, how big of a loss was this, though? I mean, it's a, it's a decent loss. First of all, I feel bad for my guy Steve for slipping up there. He definitely got an earful from Andy and the rest of the Chiefs front office because that was definitely not public information before Steve Spagnuolo said it. Um, I do think that Pinnell's ability to step in there next to Derek Naughty just gives Steve Spagnuolo the kind of front that he's looking for. He's a rock-solid run defender next to Naughty. It just kind of clogs the middle a little bit better. We talked at length about Chris Jones's run defense. He's kind of the opposite of Jones. He's not really going to crush the pocket too terribly much. He's not going to penetrate into the backfield the same way. He's going to hold his own, absorb a double team, make things easier on the linebackers behind him. I do think that they they kind of had four guys, and those four guys were pretty much locks. Now, all of a sudden, they definitely need a guy to step up, whether that's, you know, Deborah Lawrence, or they're going to bring in a new guy, or Colin Saunders is just going to take over the brunt of all this. We'll get to that in a second. But it is a bigger loss. I think that especially early in the season, they're going to face some run-heavy teams. That's going to suck a little bit. I think the the bigger worry for me is that Derek Nottie is coming off of ankle surgery in the offseason. He hasn't been active until this last day in pads, and he did get back out there. But now you're talking about a nose tackle in Derek Nottie that's not going to play 100% of the snaps because that's just simply not what nose tackles do. And while Derek Nottie, I think, is very, very good, I think he's probably better than Mike Pinnell overall, equally as good versus the run. You do need somebody to spell him that can provide the exact same ability to stuff the run. 
And the Chiefs did have a lot of success when they subbed in Pinnell for Chris Jones in terms of stopping the run. Like They were a significantly better defense versus the run when Chris Jones was off the field and Mike Pinnell was on. So you do lose that. I don't think Colin Saunders is ready to replace and be that kind of player yet. I think he's a little bit closer to Chris Jones as a run defender than he is Derek Nottie or Mike Pinnell as a run defender at this point in time. So they are missing another big kind of two-gapping, lane-clogging, run-stuffing defensive tackle for however many games Mike Pinnell is going to be gone. And I don't love their depth at the position. We're going to talk here in a second about what I think the Chiefs do moving forward, but I do think you're going to feel this loss. You are going to feel this loss in terms of the Chiefs' ability to stop teams that want to go with heavier personnel and run the ball right down their throat, as we saw numerous times last season when teams opted to do that against them. What's Joey Ivey and his pass rush up to? Maybe they can activate Joey Ivey and his pass rush. Careful, he's going to come after me on Twitter because you said that now. That's true. He's probably yeah. He probably somehow is. He's probably built a little bot that searches his name on podcasts too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be funny if <laughs> I think it'll be funny if the Chiefs lose one of these games early in the year, <laughs> and people start blaming Mike Pinnell's Mike Pinnell not being on the roster. <laughs> Because, like, if the Ravens just run it down the Chiefs' throats, oh, people no. are going to be like, it, it's going to be like, you know, MV Pinnell all over again. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a relatively uh, significant loss for, especially, like you said, there's some, there's some teams that like to run the football a little bit. Steve Spagnuolo was kind of already lamenting the fact that he hasn't really been w- able to really work on, uh, on the run fits as much as he'd like to. Uh, <laughs> Because the Chiefs' offense is just slinging it all over the field. Run the uh, ball, Andy. So, <laughs> don't run the ball, Andy. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be, it's definitely gonna be a loss. Like, the, like he's a good run defender. Uh, he's a solid. I mean, he's a solid rotational piece. Uh, what's the plan moving forward, though, Maddie? What you think? So what I think the Chiefs are going to do is roll with three defensive tackles and rotate a lot of Tano Passigno, Taco Charlton, maybe Breland Speaks on the inside. I think C. Spagnuolo, if you go back and look at his time with the Giants especially, he was more than willing to play only three defensive tackles for multiple games in a row. They might have had other guys that were dressed and available to go. In this situation, they wouldn't. But maybe you feel pretty good about a Taco Charlton. Passing, you know, Breland Speaks playing inside on some reps if you absolutely had to. I think they're going to try to get by with that at this point in time. I don't see a Braxton Hoyt or a Devro making the team. It just seems like a wasted roster spot at this point in time. One person I would look out for, though, if they really did want to get another player, if they needed more defensive tackle depth rather than keeping one of those guys around, just go bring back Xavier Williams for absolutely nothing. See if he wants to come back for a few games because he does know the system. He's a big body that's shown that he can go out there and eat up a couple snaps if you need to. But that's like really the only way I think you're going to try to find a real one-for-one replacement to put I wrote an article earlier this week with five options that the Chiefs could turn to. Colin Saunders and Deborah Lawrence were the two guys in-house that I put on there. Lawrence is more of a pass rusher, penetrator type guy, not necessarily a two-gap kind of dude. But outside the building, I put, you know, Damon Snacks Harrison and I put Marcel Darius on there. Both of those guys are still free agents. Both of those guys are are looking for the right opportunity. It's not a situation where they're asking for, you know, the world as far as a contract goes from all the reports that are out there. But those two guys would definitely be able to come in. The risk is low. 
if they get hurt, if they stop caring or anything like that, you only need them for, you know, a handful of games at the beginning of the year here. I did put a fifth guy on there. Dalen Mack, a draft pick last year of the Baltimore Ravens that I thought would be a fun guy to get in here in the rotation and keep him on the practice squad. And mere minutes after I posted the article, the New York Giants scooped him up. So that's definitely <laughs> not going to happen. You want to hear an offenses guy, offensive guy's take on this? Yes. I mean, you don't. Yeah. Yes, Just, I definitely you, do. If you score points, you get to pin your ears back and rush the passer, and you don't need that defensive tackle. That's always so just, your solution. Just score points. Just score points. It's that simple and it's that easy. Duh. Just go out and score. And you're not gonna have any you're not gonna have to worry about the run game. Ooh. Yeah, if you're up twenty one nothing, you just keep scoring. Guess what you need when you're up twenty one nothing? Joey Ivy's pass run. <laughs> that was the plan for the first the Chiefs scored a lot of points in that game, too, by the way. They did. They did. Yeah, they, and they were up double digits and just melted down. Dave Tobe. Uh, okay. So, Maddie, you wanted to do something. I'm going to let you I'm going to let you lay this out. I'm going to let you kind of just drive the boat drive the boat here. Listen, it's been a while since a youthful Regis has appeared on the podcast, but we're going to have to shelve that for one more week because there is a game show in the works. There is a full game show coming up to you guys next week. But this week, I want to talk a little bit about the NFL draft and college football because, well, that's a whole lot of fun. We're getting no training camp news, so we might as well talk about college football at this point in time. And my thought thing was this. If the NFL decided to host a supplemental draft this past year, like they do every other year except for the one year that it would have been super useful, and every player that played in a conference, so the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the MAC, FCS schools that decided to cancel fall football entered that supplemental draft, assuming they were already eligible, so that means no Micah Parsons or any other underclassmen, who do you think would help the Chiefs most this year? Kent who is your player that could enter the supplemental draft if the Chiefs had it from one of those conferences that canceled fall football that would have helped the Chiefs repeat as Super Bowl champions in 2020? I will, I will, uh, I'll go with uh, a cornerback out of Stanford who has the requisite length, uh, a Paulson Adebo out of Stanford. Uh, you know, he's he kind of had a, a an up and down year last year. I just remember like he was a very high variance player last season when we were watching his tape. Uh, but I do actually think he can locate the football all right. He's got plenty of size to play in Steve Spagnuolo's scheme. Uh, and if you're looking at just opportunity and if the question really is, hey, uh, who can help you most this year? The Chiefs need help at cornerback, especially earlier in the year. I'd rather have a higher ceiling talent like Paulson Adebo thrown into the mix because he could hit. I mean, you got to think. Some people thought he was a first-round pick coming into the twenty nineteen or the twenty twenty draft. I wasn't. I don't know if I was quite there, but he's still a good football player. He's still a day two guy for me, uh, and you know he can he could have helped himself potentially if he had gone out this year or if he'd had a chance to play this year. Uh, but give me give me a pulse in a Debo. I too am going to take a cornerback, but a better one. Uh, Caleb Farley <laughs> out of Virginia Tech, six two one ninety seven. This is a Maddie answer. This is a Maddie answer. Listen, the man has opted out already. Um, He would have been eligible for the supplemental draft with his his opt-out. He's a redshirt junior. He is an athletic, 
huge man cornerback. Used to play wide receiver, and it shows he locates the ball incredibly well. He He's very physical, loves to play press. Man, he really uses his size and his length particularly well for a guy that is a convert. The only thing that his, his you know kind of downfall is he's a little bit impatient. And you can tell that he kind of gets locked into a man and zone. It's just some of the little nuances that you would need to teach him. But he's a smart kid, and he, he already knows how to play the position at a fairly high level. I just think the ceiling is tremendous for him. Think a better Sean Bunting coming out. And we loved Sean Bunting coming out in that you know two years ago draft. I think that this kid could just be a game wrecker if he puts it all together. So I, I would go all in on Caleb Farley. Look at you guys trying to stop the other team from scoring points rather than scoring points yourself. So much for the offensive's take here, Kent. Give me Pat <laughs> Fryermuth, tight end from Penn State. Put my man on the field with Travis Kelsey. Imagine Blake Bell on the field only with pretty much Travis Kelsey's ability as a receiver or close to. That is the man that I would put on this team. You give me a guy of his size that is able to block and get vertical, run all the routes you could ever ask from a tight end at his size. There is a reason that he is also called Baby Gronk, much like Travis Kelsey was a few. Yes, can't. Go ahead. Would he be eligible? He is. He's actually an old, so you already don't like him. But I believe... I, how, but he's a junior. I believe that he went... He skipped a year after high school before college. He went on a mission trip or something. He was eligible for the draft oh. last year and opted to go back. So he, so this is a Maddie answer. No, he's 100% eligible. There was a big thing last year that he decided not to go come out to the draft because everybody said he would have been tied into one. He still okay. very well could be tied into one with his, his size, receiving ability... I'm not huge on the two tight end sets. I think re-signing Travis Kelsey means the Chiefs don't need a tight end of the future. But this guy is really good. There's comparisons to Rob Gronkowski, and they're very apt. Like He's a very good player. He plays with a ton of power. He's a plus athlete at the position. But he can block. He can be your inline tight end, and he can be your red zone threat that you're chomping at the bit to shove Jody Fortson or Ricky Seals-Jones into. He can do all of that while being just as good, if not better, blocker than Blake Bell. I think that's a guy that could really take the offense from amazing to even more amazing this year if you're able to incorporate him this season. Next question, because I score points, who would you want to draft the most? Not which player would help the most, but who would you want to draft the most in the supplemental draft and with what pick you would use? This is less right now and more just which player do you want to get on your team for the future? See, I'm going to go real deep on this one, you guys. I'm not looking for a player that can contribute immediately. So I am taking a round seven flyer on a guy that might be a round three, a round four pick if he played in this season from Ohio State, Baron Browning. He's 6'3", he's 240, he plays Mike. The Chiefs don't have a Mike on their roster outside of Anthony Hitchens. He is a good athlete. He's got good agility. He's got a very quick trigger, gets downhill really well. He just needs a little bit of extra coaching with how to line up fronts and everything like that. That's what Anthony Hitchens does really well. So I want him in the room with Anthony Hitchens. And for a seventh round pick, you might be able to keep that guy on the bottom of your roster, have him learn, 
and have him potentially be able to take over either next year or the year after for Anthony Hitchens for the cost of a seventh-round pick. So I'm looking long game here. I'm going with Baron Browning. I, uh, I'm i going to go with a guy that probably plays his way into the first round, but I'm going to try to get him with a second-round pick, and it's it's one of Maddie Lane's guys. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh, and it's he's a guy he's I think you know Maddie's been on him early and often. Quiddy Pay, out of mm-hmm. Michigan. Uh, if it, he's the definition, actually he may not be the definition of a Steve Spagnolo edge because he's more fluid than a Steve Spagnolo defensive edge. His arms will be too is, short, but I you know that that's it. Are they going to be too short? I think so. I don't think he has great reach, but he's got the density that I think he makes up for it. But yeah, I do not think that he's going to have Steve Spagnolo typical arm length. But neither did Mike Dana. So yeah, I mean, hey, we're breaking trends and we're breaking trends with Michigan guys. But you know, Quiddy Pay. 6'4", 277 pounds, and it's astounding that he's listed at that because my guy does not move remotely like a 277-pound player. I, you know, especially before Steve Spagnuolo, I was a guy that really coveted, you know, hip fluidity with my edges. I like guys that could bend off the edge. And, you know, Quiddy Pay can undoubtedly do that, but, like, his ability to operate um, and cross the face of a guard or a tackle inside is special. Uh, he's got a lot of potential. He doesn't have a lot of production. That's his thing so far. I think he's going to wind up in the first round of this draft because I think it's really hard to match the kind of athletic ability that he has in the size he has. I, there's just not very many guys that can do it. Um, I think dense athletes, he's the definition of that. And I love those kind of guys. I, I think he'd be a fantastic project for Steve Spagnuolo and a team that could really need uh, defensive ends very quickly here in 2021. He's so, so, so good. He really is so good. Quiddy Pay's speed to power is absolutely insane. And when you consider that he weighs nearly 280 pounds, like tackles just have a hard time dealing with a guy that moves that fast at that density. Like, yeah, he needs some work with his hands. And yeah, there are times where long offensive tackles can get their hands on him first and lock him up. But just his ability to bend and then just be as fast as he is with his body control and just like the contact balance is outstanding. I would love that pick. I'm going to kind of split the difference here. I'm going to use a third round pick on Dylan Raduns, Raduns, left tackle out of North Dakota State. And this is kind of a hindsight pick because if the supplemental draft happened, this would be a guy that probably I wouldn't have taken if Lucas Nyang was here. But the Chiefs don't have a backup offensive tackle. So if I'm having the supplemental draft right now, I'm absolutely going to take this guy. I think that he's going to work his way into the early second. He's probably going to be a top 50 pick, especially if he got to play football. Without playing football, maybe you're looking at a guy that's going to go in the top 75. The Chiefs will be picking at the end of round three. I would use that to get him. Get him in here. He needs help with his technique, but he's a powerful run blocker. He's a guy that kind of fits the mold of offensive linemen that we've talked about the Chiefs might be transitioning to. You have him and Lucas Niang on your team in the future. That's your future right and left tackle right there. You don't have to spend any more money on it. If you need him to step in in a pinch this year because you don't trust a Jackson Barton or Mike Rimmers to play offensive tackle, that's fine. He's better than any of them too. You don't have Lucas Niang here, so you need someone that can do that. I think there's a chance that he ends up being a pretty early pick, but if you get him in the supplemental draft for a late day 
two kind of pick. Bring him down here. Just got to work on his technique, which oddly as much heat as Andy Heck took early in his tenure with the Chiefs, he's done a really good job with raw offensive linemen getting them on the field. I think Radunes would actually be really good here. I just would never want to spend an actual first round pick on him. Well, there's some uh, there's some draft content for you guys out there. Uh, we're not forgetting about you, and you know you you know where to find us when when season really heats up. That is going to do it for the Wednesday episode of the AP Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to stay uh, aware of what's going on in the Arrowhead Pride Podcast channel. We have so much going on. We have you covered with all kinds of press conferences uh, for training camp. We'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. We'll catch you later. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.